my name is Tom Baugh, last name is B-A-U-G-H, and uh, I have um, been asked to, let me get to the page, we're going to be uh, talking about effective gospel conversations. Now, uh, let me dispel one misunderstanding that some people have already voiced. Um, if you're looking for a presentation that's going to give you a model for sharing the gospel, uh, that's not what this one is about, okay? I, I want to talk about evangelism, but not necessarily to share a specific uh, model with you, okay? So, uh, next slide, okay, uh, and go one more. Yes, okay. Effective evangelism has to have three things. Now, what are those three things? Now, if you're uh, following along, if you have a guide and you want to write, make some notes, this is be your first blank. Uh, number one there is Spirit of God. So, we're talking about uh, effective evangelism must have three things. I need the next slide up. Okay, thank you. Uh, who's, who's running the slides? Oh, okay. All right, I just didn't see anybody. <laughs> Good. Now, I, uh, I got this information from a friend of mine. It's been a couple of years ago. And we were working the uh, Christian Mobile Dental Clinic together uh, out, out in the hood. And uh, one of the things that uh, we were talking about was the importance of um, wh what, was, what was really essential for uh, sharing the gospel. And he said... He said there's three things. One has to be the Spirit of God, one is the Word of God, and one is the person of God. And I'm going to get to all three of those uh, with you in just a moment. All right, Romans 14.3 uh, reminds us, okay, reminds us that whatever is not of faith is sin. Have you ever read that verse before? Whatever is not of faith is sin. Now, some people are a little confused by that, but um, basically what that means is that even if you're doing something that is good, if you're not doing it in faith, then the Word of God says that that is sin. No matter if you're doing what we call, quote, unquote, God's work. Now, I, I, can, uh, I, I confess to you uh, that I have been guilty of that in times past, not, not so much anymore, but I have been guilty of doing what people, other people would say is God's work and doing a good work, but not doing it in faith. That means I put all the work into it, I put all the effort into it, I organized it, I enlisted volunteers, I, I got all the materials ready. It, did you hear how many times I said the word I? Okay, because it was all about I. It was not about, uh, it was not about inviting the Spirit of God to take charge of what we were doing. So the very first thing that's essential in sharing the gospel is the Spirit of God, recognizing that it's not, it's not your ability, it's Christ's ability through us. Another passage of scripture, I, I shared this with my life group this morning. 
that Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, again, I have been guilty, and uh, probably most people would agree that at some point they have been guilty of trying to do things in their own strength, in their own effort. And uh, so we're, we're talking about what, what is it that makes evangelism an effective evangelism? Know, have the Spirit of God, uh, know that, and then uh, Jesus made the comment in, in John 15, verse 5. He said, I'm, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do a few things. Is that what it says? It says, how much can you do? You can do nothing. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do nothing. It means that you can't do anything that has eternal value to it if you have not the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Christ came to live in you so that he might live through you. And that is the Spirit of God that's at work. All right, next slide. The Word of God, number two. All right, we talked about what, what are those three things now. First one is have the Spirit of God. Don't try to do things in your own strength. Next one is the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. Now, uh, I have, uh, I've learned a lot of different models of how to share the gospel, but uh, I've come to understand uh, more later than earlier is that it's not my words that are going to change anybody's life. I, my, my testimony is not going to change anybody's life. My eloquence in speaking, whatever that is about sharing the gospel, no matter how organized it is, if I am doing that apart from the Word of God, then I'm, I'm, really, I'm really wasting my time. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when I'm sharing the gospel, I most often, if, as long as I've got my Bible with me, I, I turn to the passage, and, I, and I'll ask them to read the Scripture. There's something that happens in the heart of the person that you're speaking to when they read God's Word for themselves, then there is a, um, there's something that's supernatural that takes place because it's the Spirit of God taking the Word of God and applying it to the person's life. It's not my words. It's not your words. It's going to change anybody's life. It, it's not any particular model that you're using. Anybody in here trained in evangelism explosion? Few? Okay. I've been trained in that. Uh, anybody been trained in how to use the Evangicube? Yeah, I, I've been trained in that. Anybody trained uh, in how to use the uh, the faith outline? Well, I've been trained in that. I, I've been trained in a lot of different models, but I've come to understand, and I know clearly, 
that it is not the model that's going to save anybody's life. It's the man who saves people's lives. Who is the man? It's Jesus Christ. If he's not the one who's being lifted up, guess what happens? Well, we are only doing it out of ourself, and then we're the ones who get the glory instead of Christ. Next slide. Person of God. Three things that are essential. It is the Spirit of God, it is the Word of God, and it's the person of God. Now listen to this scripture in 2 Corinthians. Yeah, it's up there. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. He gave us the ministry of what? Of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? To us, the word of reconciliation. Yes, it does take the Spirit of God. It does take the Word of God. But it also takes the person of God. Could God save people without me? Well, yeah, He, he could. I, he's God. He can do that. All right? But what God chooses to do is He chooses to work through His own people, the people who are redeemed. Those of us who have... Uh, experience the life-saving transition that takes place because of God's Spirit now abiding in us, all right? Because of that, He gives to us the privilege then of being able to share that with others. Next slide. One of the essentials to be an effective evangelist. Next slide. All right, here, here are four things that I want you to understand. I think it's four things. Yes, it is four things. I'm glad I got the outline correct. Okay, characteristics of one sharing the gospel. First, you've got to be converted. <laughs> In other words, I was telling somebody this, I don't know, it's been this week, I don't remember when it was, but I told them this, that in my own testimony, that I grew up in the church, I knew, I knew the language Matter of fact, I knew how to tell somebody what the gospel was. I knew how to do that. The problem was, I wasn't saved, but I knew how to do it. And it wasn't until I was a senior in high school, just before graduating. That's been a long time ago. It's just before the earth crusted over. 1967. Y'all probably don't know 1967, do you? Except it's a number. Well, I was graduating high school then, and I knew how to tell somebody about the gospel, but I didn't know the gospel. I didn't, I didn't have it in my heart. I had it in my head, but not in my heart. And it wasn't until I heard a guest preacher who came to our, our church, and I, I wish I could remember exactly what it was that he said, but I, I came to the understanding that it was not about being good. You know, it's not about being good. It's not about doing good. That's what Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is about. You know, for by grace you say through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. So it's not about being good and not about doing good. When I came to that understanding, 
and I didn't do this during the church service, but afterwards I talked with a friend of mine who was a believer, and I was sharing with him where I was, and he was, of course, shocked because I've been in church all my life. <laughs> We've been friends for years. And I said, yeah, I know a lot, but I don't know the Lord. That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. That day, which was May the 12th, 1967, that night, I came to an understanding that I had to surrender to Jesus Christ and make him and allow him to be the Lord and master of my life. But it was the word of God that was speaking to me to help me to understand that. So the person who's going to be sharing the gospel needs to be somebody who is uh, uh, who has been converted. In Acts 19.15, there's an interesting story. In fact, I, I, I laugh at this story every time I read it. But Paul had been doing some uh, miraculous works, and uh, there along came some uh, Pharisees and some other religious leaders who saw what was happening, and so they made this, uh, made this decision that they were going to... Um, they were going to cast out demons also, but listen to what they did. In um, verse 13 of that chapter 19, it says, Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise, listen to this, we exorcise, not exorcise, but exorcise, I mean to take out, Okay, exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't know Jesus. They were just saying, in that Jesus, the one that Paul preaches. That's the one that we're, we're commanding you to come out of the person. Now, listen to what happens. This is funny. I, I Truly, I, I read it again this morning and just laughed out loud. Also, there were seven sons of Eskiva, a Jewish uh, chief priest who did so and the evil spirit answered and said to them Jesus I know Paul I know but who are you it says right there in the Bible <laughs> yeah if uh, if you're going to be sharing the gospel be sure that you are somebody who has been converted as well next slide characteristics of one sharing the gospel the evangelist must be converted, but also be compassionate. Compassionate means to be able to see people as Christ sees them. In Matthew 9, 36, But when he, as Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Be converted. Be compassionate. Next slide. Number three, be compelled. This is, the, this is regarding the love of Christ. Now listen to this passage in 2 Corinthians 5. Yes, 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. If anything motivates you other than the love of Christ in you, then you're doing it in your own strength. 
If you are sharing the gospel, if you're trying to do evangelism apart from the compelling love of Christ that's in you, then you're, you're just doing a good work. And it's of no lasting eternal value. It may have some value, but it doesn't have lasting eternal value. Next slide. This is number four. This is the last one. So be converted, be compassionate, be compelled, be a communicator. Now, uh, Brother Steve uh, Gaines has used this passage many times, uh, talking about Philip, who uh, uh, was uh, prompted by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, to go and speak to this Ethiopian who was coming out of Jerusalem, heading back to Ethiopia. And he was reading the Word of God. He was reading it out loud from his chariot. And Philip ran up to him. And uh, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the Scripture, preached Jesus to him. What did he use? He used the Scripture. He used the Bible. He, he started where the Bible was. And so he was communicating what the gospel is. All right. Now, uh, I was asked about, next slide there, about a, a transition statement. And this is probably, I probably get this question more than any other single question when asking, what, what is it that stops you from being able to share the gospel? And the most often statement is, I, I don't know how to direct the conversation into a gospel conversation. I, I just get tongue-tied or I, I get confused and I don't know what to do. And uh, so uh, Jimmy Scroggins, who uh, wrote the, um, uh, the model, are, are you familiar with Three Circles? Who was familiar with that? Several of you? Good. Uh, and I've used that. That's a good model. But he talked about how do you transition into a gospel conversation. He said, first of all, you got to listen. you got to be listening to uh, the person that you're talking to. You know, you're engaged with them and looking for an opportunity to shift the emphasis of the conversation into a gospel conversation. And he uses this model. He says, I've had a similar situation where I felt like that. May I share with you something that has helped me? And that, that's a statement from uh, his book, uh, Life Conversations. Now, that's not, the only, that's not the only transition statement that can be used. Let me give you an example. I was, uh, had taken my wife's car uh, into uh, the shop to have the oil changed and tires rotated and that sort of thing. You know, checking fluids like uh, Daniel talked about today. <laughs> Had somebody else check the fluids. Anyway, while I, while I was there, I, I was in the waiting room, and there was another gentleman. Uh, he looked to be about my age. He was old guy, you know. And uh, he had on a, a cap that identified him as a Vietnam veteran. And so I, I just asked him if, if, uh, if that cap represented his service, and he said yes. And he said, well, I want to I thank you for your service. I mean, I really appreciate what you 
sacrificed in order to, uh, in order to protect us. And I said, I, I can tell that you and I are getting, you know, we're, we're close to the same age. I, you know, I'm old as dirt now, you know. And uh, I, I said, have you ever given some thought to what, what happens after you die? And he said, no, I don't think about that. I said, okay. I said, well, we'll think about it for just a moment. And uh, so I gave him my personal testimony, my own salvation testimony. And then I asked him this question. This was my transition statement. I said, may I share with you how I came to know that I have eternal life and how you too can have eternal life? I don't know how many times I've said that statement, but I've used it a lot. And to my surprise, my pleasant surprise, he said, yeah, I'd like to know that. I said, well, come over and sit with me because there was no seat vacant next to him. So I asked him to come sit beside me. And I had my Bible, uh, not because I'm a particularly uh, holy, righteous, sanctified person, okay, but I was studying my Sunday school lesson. <laughs> I knew I was going to be there for a while. I said, oh, I'm just going to, I'll, I'll use this time to uh, start preparing for my Sunday school lesson. Uh, excuse me, life group lesson. Old habits die hard. Anybody else call it Sunday school? Yeah, some of you do. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I grew up with Sunday school, so uh, it's sometimes hard for me to transition into life group. But anyway, I was preparing for a life group lesson. And I had my Bible here, and so I opened the Word and started sharing with him how I came to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Master of my life, how I could know that I have eternal life. And after I shared uh, those things, he was able to receive Christ himself right there in the waiting room while we were getting the oil changed our cars. I, I tell you, now... Was that, was that about me? I, do your heads this way. It was not about me. Okay? I had already prayed that morning before I ever left the house. Lord, I just want to be faithful today. If there's an opportunity for me to share with somebody how they can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I, I pray that you would go before me and prepare the way. Well, it was no accident. Somebody say, well, that was just a coincidence. But it was not. It was the Spirit of God that was moving and making that happen for us. And He's the one. Because it is the Holy Spirit that does, He has, he has three jobs. It's to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, that's His job. I cannot convict the world of sin. I can't convict the world of righteousness. I cannot convict the world of anything. It is, that's the job of the Holy Spirit. What's my part? I, be available. Do something. Next slide. All right, now what, what is the content that needs to uh, go into uh, sharing the gospel? I mentioned to you a moment ago that there are... Um, a lot of models that a person can use, and I have been trained in a bunch of them. Evangelism Explosion, 
faith outline, the, um, uh, the Jimmy Scroggins three circles. Uh, I, I mean, just on and on. I, I've, I've been through them all, okay? One of the things that I have come to understand, though, is that all of them are going to use similar Scripture passages to help to lead a person to understand that they, that, that they are lost and how they can be saved. Okay, but we do that with the Word of God. So I, was, uh, I, I like to be able to, to do that and to share that. And so the first thing that I start with, I'll start with, no matter what model I happen to be using, uh, that particular day when I was talking to the gentleman at the um, place where I was getting my oil changed, I happened to be using the three circles. And I, and I asked him, I said, can I draw something for you? And I had a piece of paper and I started drawing. He was really engaged with that. And um, so the first thing I said to him, did you know that God has a purpose for your life? He does. He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He wants you to have eternal life. I said, are you familiar with this scripture verse, John 3, 16? He didn't know, the, he didn't know that, uh, uh, that identifying marker. But uh, I said, it starts out, God so loved the world. And he said, I know that verse. And so he quoted it for me. I said, yeah, that's, that's it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For who? For you and for me. God loves you that much. And he wants you to have eternal life, and he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. But there's one thing that can never be in heaven. Do you know what that is? Next slide. This is man's problem. God's purpose is that he would give you eternal life. All right? The next is, what, what is man's problem? Man's problem is sin. And I asked him, I said, do you know what sin is? And he said, well, it's doing bad things. And I said, well, that's, that's an example of uh, what sin looks like, is doing bad things, but that's not what sin is. That's not the definition. The definition for sin is to disregard. It's the intentional, volitional disregard for God's design in your life. I said, did you remember the story about Adam and Eve? He said, yeah. I said, and God had offered to them, said to them, hey, the, the garden is full of uh, trees and vegetation, and you're free to eat any of it and all of it whenever you want it. It's here. It's yours. It's all yours. But there's one tree in the middle of the garden. Now, don't eat out of that tree. Because the day that you do, you're going to die. Don't eat out of that tree. So what did they do? They ate out of the tree. <laughs> All right. The sin was not eating the fruit. That was not the sin. The sin was they made a decision they were going to eat the fruit, regardless of what it was that God had designed. And we have inherited that nature that same nature, we've inherited that all through the years. Every person born has been born with that same nature, 
that we want to do what we want to do, regardless of what God wants us to do. All right, man's problem, it's sin. Next slide. What is, and I asked, asked this gentleman, I said, what, what, is, what, do you, what do you think the penalty for sin is? We, we already know what God's purpose is and what our problem is, that we've all inherited that same sin nature, but what's the penalty for that? And so again, I'm opening the scripture and I'm showing to I said, would you read that for me? And of course, it, uh, it tells him that uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but that the penalty for sin is eternal death. The wages of sin is death. And I told him, I said, that's, that's not talking about physical death because everybody's going to die. Everybody. You're going to die. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. The question is, what's next? You know how long this life is that you have? Scripture says it's but a puff of smoke. It's a, it's fleeting. It's, it's always, it's always going. Now, <laughs> I was standing out right out here in the hall. And I was talking with one of our deacons, and um, and he was asking me about uh, how I was doing and what the what ministry was going like. And, and I told him, I said, Ed. I, I tell you, I, I realize that I'm in the fourth quarter of my life, and I've got to make I've got to make the time count, whatever time I've got left. And he said, "How old are you?" I'm, I'm 72. He said, "No, you're not in the last quarter. You're in overtime." <laughs> I said, "Oh, okay, that puts it in perspective, because we're not promised. We're not promised X number of years." And I realized that, yeah, time is fleeting. It's, uh, it's like the breadth of your hand. It's that long. That's all it is. So I was sharing with this man. I said, you know, you're, you're getting old like me. And soon, maybe sooner than you expect, you're going to pass from this life to the next life. Just because your life ends physically doesn't mean that you cease to exist. You're going to live somewhere. The question is, where are you going to live? Next slide. We looked at what God's purpose is. God loves you. He wants you to have eternal life. But there's one thing that can't ever be in, in heaven, and that's sin. Sin's got to be dealt with. And that's the problem that we have. We have a sin nature, and there's a penalty for it. But here's the good news. And I told him, I said, I don't want to leave you with bad news. There's good news here. The good news is this, is that God has made the provision. He has a purpose. Man has a problem. Sin has a penalty. But God has a provision. The provision is that I owed a debt that I couldn't pay, he paid a debt that he didn't know. That he is in Christ. Romans 5, 8. Anybody know that one by heart, by chance? God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still lost, while we weren't even seeking God, we weren't pursuing God, we weren't looking for God, God came looking for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's provision. Next slide. What's my part? We know what God's purpose was. We know what man's problem is, is sin. And we know what the sin's penalty is, is death. We know what God's provision is, is Christ. But what's my part? Two things. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this. I, I like the way it reads in the New Living Translation. Anybody use the New Living Translation beside me? Yeah. One, a few of you. I, look this scripture verse up. It is really well said right here. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. The King James and New King James says a little bit different. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus. Well, that always confused me a little bit. But this New Living Translation really puts it in, in a way which anybody can understand. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It, he's not saying that you say with your words that Jesus is Lord, but you're acknowledging with your life, He's not just somebody else's Lord, He's my Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then dropping down to verse 13, whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's two things in there that is my part. Part of it is confession and the other is calling. Confession is the same thing as repenting. Repent and believe the gospel. That was, that was the first sermon recorded that Jesus preached. It's in Matthew chapter 1, verse, I think it's verse 15 where he said to, the, said to the people, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, Jesus wasn't asking them to uh, acknowledge that information. He said, receive that information. Repent means to turn. You're, you're going in your own direction, doing your own thing, making your own choices. You have become your own God. He says, Repent means to turn. Turn to Christ. That's the confession. And then the calling, well, that's where faith comes in, where we call on the name of the Lord, the only one who can save us. I made this statement yesterday to my life group. I said, Jesus is not a good way to heaven. He's not one way to heaven. He's, he's not the best way to heaven. He's the only way. Because Jesus himself said that, remember what he said in John 14, 6? Y'all have your Bibles with you? This is a good one to look up. And I want you to mark this in your Bible because this is the actual words of Christ himself. John 14. Verse 6. If you don't have this for memorize, this is a good one to start with. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except how? Except through me. 
No one comes to the Father because of you. Nobody comes to the Father because you have presented a good model. There are a lot of good models. But if it's not the Spirit of God, using the Word of God through the person of God, you're just doing it for your own glory, not for His glory. It needs to be for Him. It is the love of Christ that compels us to do what we do in sharing the gospel. All right. Bottom line is this. And after this, I will uh, open it for any discussion that you might have, uh, any questions that you might have. But the, uh, here it is. Okay. Bottom line is this. Don't be guilty of sharing the gospel or sharing something in your own strength. Whose strength do you rely upon? It is the Holy Spirit. Okay, It's the Spirit of God in you. How much can you do apart from Christ living in you? Nothing. Zero. Goose eggs. Nothing. You can do nothing without Christ. That doesn't mean you can't do anything because you can be. But you can't do anything that has eternal value unless you're doing it through him. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not through my strength, but through his strength. So don't be guilty of sharing something in your own strength. Don't be guilty of sharing something in your own wisdom. It is the wisdom. It's the word of God. Have the word of God in your heart. And in your hand. And then you can open the word of God. Let them read it for themselves. If something, there's something that powerful that takes place when a person reads the word of God themselves. And I'll even ask them, I said, do you understand what that says? Yeah, it says, I'm a sinner. I said, yeah, that's what the Bible says. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And. You know what the penalty is? We read that. So do you, do you understand that the penalty for the sin that's in your life, apart from being redeemed, apart from being forgiven, is eternal separation from God? I, does that make sense? Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. I said, but God has made a provision for you. It's in Christ. And he wants to give it to you. It's a gift. He wants to give you the most precious gift he could give. That's his son. Your part, though, is this. Confess. Confess. God's right. I'm not. God is just. I'm not. God is holy. I'm not. God is the only one who can save me. Through his son, Jesus Christ. God is the only one who can do that. I can't do that. I said, you can't do that for yourself. Probably the scariest thing I ever heard a person say, and this was, it's been recent, just in the last, I don't know, four or five weeks. I was uh, sharing with, with a woman who um, was obviously lost, but I asked her, I said, if you found yourself standing before the Lord and, 
and he was to ask you, why shall I let you into my heaven? What, what would you say? You know what she said to me? I'm worthy. I thought, oh, my stars. That's, that's the last thing. <laughs> you're, you're not worthy. There's only one who is worthy, and that is Jesus Christ. She never was able to come to grips with that truth, and she was not able to receive that message that the gift of God is eternal life. Now, whatever model that you're using, and I'm not here to promote a specific model. I'm just saying that the verses of Scripture that we talk about, they will be, they're easily plugged into any model that you want to use. It's not the model that saves anybody. It's the man, Jesus Christ. And he wants, he wants to save them more than you want. Because he died for them. I didn't die for them. He died for them. So don't be guilty of sharing something in your own wisdom. Don't be guilty of assigning the spreading of the gospel to somebody else. It's not somebody else's job. We are only servants of the Lord. I'm just, just now thought of another scripture verse. And I hope I can remember where it was. I think it's I think it's Luke. I think it's in Luke seventeen. Let's see. Well, I can't find it right now. It was something I read last week, and it was about the servants, the uh, the master of the house. Jesus was saying this. It was kind of a parable, and he said. Does the master say to the servant when they come in from the field, oh, I know you're tired. You sit here and I will fix your dinner for you. Does he say that? No. No, you go and prepare the meal for me. And after I've eaten, then you can eat. And the point of the story was this, is that we are nothing but unworthy servants. At least that's what the King James says. The New Living Translation says we're only slaves. We're just doing what we are commanded to do. That's all. When you share the gospel, uh, don't get puffed up and get proud because you did that, especially if somebody receives Christ. Because your job is simply to be in service to the Lord and to be his slave. The call of Christ on our lives is one of slavery and death. That's hard, to, that's, that's hard to receive, you know? But yet, that's what Jesus has called us to do. Die to self. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Die to yourself. Kill yourself. Every day, lift up Christ only. Well, that's really all I had to say about that. Um, I don't know if this was helpful to you or not, but it's always helpful for me just to be reminded of these truths about what it is that makes evangelism effective. Okay, we have to have 
those characteristics of being converted, being compassionate, being somebody who's a communicator. We, we have to have those kinds of things in our life. And we have to have some understanding of the Scripture of what it means to help somebody to understand that they're lost and how to be saved. This is some material that will help you to remember that.